Welcome to church today. We're so glad to have you. We are in this series called The Blessed Life, which has been a game changer for many of you and for me and my wife and my family. Um, It is a series, if you haven't been here for the first two, uh, it is a series that we are doing on video and we're joining another church as they are doing this. And uh, that's important to know because we don't do that very often. This is literally the only series that we do that because uh, we believe that Pastor Robert Morris, the person who has created this series, is anointed by God specifically with this series and this series of messages. And to try to re-preach them will do them an injustice. And uh, you'll see in just a moment if you haven't seen these before, but um, it's very, very good. And I hope that you enjoy it today and that, that you get a lot out of it. Uh, today's is a little bit different, even more so because it, it, it's a shorter message. It's only 26 minutes long. And uh, earlier this week, I sent out a text message from the church and asked if anyone had questions. And you guys had some awesome questions pertaining to tithes and offerings. And so I've put those together and I know like, you're just like, can we just get through the message? Cause I want to hear that. No, I'm, I'm kidding. You're, you're going to love the message, but uh, it's going to be a great time. I've got several answers for your questions that you guys had this week. Um, and I'm really excited. So let's take a moment here before we start this message and open up our hearts in prayer and allow God to move, um, because we ha- before we start a message like this, we need to make sure we're open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. So receive what you have today from God. Father, we thank you that you are here today. We thank you that you are so powerful, you are so good, and you have so many good things that you want to give to us, Lord. And I just ask that you would allow us and help us to open up our hearts today to be ready for what it is that you want to give to us, Lord. And we open up our hearts to you today in your name. Amen. Hey everyone, how are you? Good to see you. We are in a series uh, called The Blessed Life. And I do want to say welcome to all the churches that are joining us. And I want you to turn to Luke chapter 16. And that's the only passage I'm going to ask you to turn or click to. Um, but just however you do it, just go to Luke chapter 16 and, uh, we're going to talk this weekend about breaking the spirit of mammon, breaking the spirit of mammon, M-A-M-M-O-N. Uh, it's a word that's in the Bible only four times. Uh, Jesus, as we know, only used it three times. One of the times it's in the Bible, it's a repeat It's in Matthew and Luke, but it's the same sermon. So we're going to look at it in Luke so that we'll see all the times that we know of that Jesus used this word, all right? Luke chapter 16, look at verse 9. Luke 16, verse 9. This is Jesus speaking. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. That's the first time we see the word. That when you fail, they, I just want you to remember the word they, not it, they, so it's talking about the friends, may receive you into an everlasting home. 
He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, it's the second time we've seen it, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? And then verse 13 is a repeat of the verse in Matthew 6. No servant, no, I, no servant, not one, no person, no person. This is very important to understand this. Uh, Matthew said this way, no one, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and mammon. And that's the third time we see it. And again, that's a repeat from a verse in Matthew 6. It's from the same sermon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay, this is the only phrase like this in the Bible that where Jesus contrasts serving God with something as, as, as uh, uh, clearly as he does. You cannot serve. You cannot do it. No one can do this. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay, since he said that, we need to know what mammon is. So I have three points for you today. Here's point number one. They're actually all three questions. What is mammon? What is mammon? Most people would immediately say money, but, but the answer is so much deeper than that. Uh, mammon is an Aramaic word which means riches. Uh, but it comes from the Syrian God of riches. I don't believe Jesus was simply for referring to riches. I think he was referring to a false God that they knew. The Syrians had a God called Mammon. And it was the God of riches. Now let me tell you where it came from. It actually came from Babylon. A lot of people don't know where Babylon came from. If you just look at the very first part of it, Babel. Babylon came from the Tower of Babel. That's where Babylon came from. And if you ever want to know what the word Babylon means, just say it a little differently and a little slower, Babylon. You ever known anybody just Babel? Okay, never mind. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't nudge anyone or look at someone right now, you know. But Babel means, actually means confusion. You know, someone just talking, you don't ever, you, don't, you can't follow them, you don't know what they're talking about. Babel, the word Babel means confusion. When you add the suffix on, on it, it means sown uh, or planted. So the word Babylon means sown in confusion. It started in confusion. The Tower of Babylon, the Tower of Babel was the, a system that they believed that they didn't need God. They could get to heaven on their own, their own energy, their own work could get them high enough to get to heaven. That is what the spirit of mammon is, that we don't need God if we have riches and money. It is a spirit that contrasts itself with the spirit of God. It is a, an arrogant, prideful spirit that tries to replace God. When you think about this, it's, he, Jesus said you, you can't serve God and mammon. In other words, mammon is looking for servants. Mammon wants to rule in your life. Mammon wants you to look to it 
instead of God. And here's the problem. Many of us actually grew up looking to mammon and we didn't even know it. And, and Jesus makes this statement. You can't serve both. And he, he says, you will be loyal to one and despise the other. Now, I want you to think about this. There's a message today that that's we, we call the prosperity message. It's basically giving you'll get, giving you'll get, and, and you know, God wants to, to bless everyone with lots of money and a Mercedes and a Rolex. And uh, the problem with that message is that it actually works selfishness and greed into your life instead of out of your life. And the problem with that is it's a mammon message. And here's the problem. You become loyal to that. Now, here's what happens. When people buy into the prosperity message, what happens then is that when something breaks or something goes wrong in their life financially, they despise God. They get mad at God. And here's the reason they get mad at God or despise God, because they're loyal to mammon. Jesus said, if you're loyal to mammon, you'll despise God. Mammon wants to take God's place. Mammon actually promises us everything that only God can give us. You think about it. Mammon promises us identity, security, significance, uh, happiness, joy, all these things only God can give. Listen, only God can give peace, love, and joy. Only God. Mammon can't. Mammon can never deliver on its promise. Mammon wants to rule. You can't serve God and mammon. I'll tell you something that might shock you about mammon. Mammon is the spirit of antichrist. And I'll prove it to you by a very simple verse that all of you know, but it's shocking how many people never put this together. The spirit of antichrist does not rule through the threat of nuclear war. The spirit of antichrist rules through the threat of not being able to buy and sell. That's mammon. If you don't bow to me, if you don't take the mark of the beast, you won't be able to provide for your family. See, it's a contrast. All through, all, all, all through our lives, mammon is trying to get you to bow to mammon, serve mammon, worship mammon, and Jesus is saying, no, God is the only one that can provide everything you need. God is the only one that can provide identity and security and peace and happiness and joy and love. Only God can. But mammon says he can. Mammon will say, you know, if you had more money, people will listen to you. Significance. If you had more money, if you had the right credit cards, if you had the right clothes, if you had the right car, if you had the right house, if you had more money, you'd be happier. If you had more money, um, you, you, you'd have a better marriage. If you had more money, here, here's the big lie. If you had more money, you could help more people. Listen to me very carefully. Money doesn't help people, God helps people. But notice the contrast. See the contrast? Money, okay. Look, look, here. Jesus never told anyone that he needed more money. Never did a leper, never did a lame man, never did a blind man say, have mercy on me, son of David. And Jesus turned around and say, oh, you just need more money. <laughs> Not once. And I'll tell you again how it contrasts. Just, just to show you how we've all been influenced by the spirit of mammon. 
We've all had this thinking at some point or another. I either need God to come through or I need someone to give me some money. And if someone would give me some money, I'm okay, God. My problem's been solved. I don't, I don't need you because I got money. Are, are, are you following me? I can remember one time my, um, I borrowed my dad's boat uh, when, we were, when our family was younger. We have a boat now, but when our family was younger, uh, my dad had a boat never used it. I think he kept it just for us, you know, for the kids to use. And I'm grateful for that. But he got a brand new boat. I borrowed it. We're on vacation. Something started beeping. Uh, the beeping bothered me. So I got up under the dash and pulled the wire out. <clears throat> this is something you do when you're young and stupid. <laughs> it was trying to tell me something. It was trying to tell me that it was low on oil. But I kept driving and we burned the motor up. Brand new motor, $4,000. I said to my dad, dad, um, I'm, 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 this is my responsibility and I'm gonna take care of this. I, I will figure out a way to take care of this. And I said, this is my problem, I'll take care of it. And you know what my dad said to me? Son, you've never had a problem. I will never forget this conversation as long as I live. I said, what do you mean? He said, son, if money can fix it, it's not a problem. And if money can't fix it, God can. He was telling me right then, it's, money's not the answer to your problems. Son, God is always the answer to your problems. So that's mammon. Mammon is this spirit that tries to influence us. Here's question number two. Is money evil? Is money evil? Because Jesus said unrighteous mammon. Well, what he's talking about is a spirit. It's a spirit. I, let me just say again, mammon is a spirit. <laughs> uh, if, if mammon's not a spirit, how come it can talk? Because you, 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 try, you start to give an offering, and I'll bet you'll hear voices. <laughs> <laughs> mammon is a spirit that rests on money. I don't know if you ever thought about it. Can I tell you this? All money has a spirit on it. It either has the spirit of God on it or it has the spirit of mammon on it. All the money in your account right now either has God's spirit on it or the spirit of mammon. And the way you get God's spirit on it, according to scripture, is you give the first 10% to the house of God and God redeems the rest out from under the spirit of this world, which is the spirit of mammon. Why would you want the spirit of mammon on, on your money? So money, money's not evil. Money's neutral. You can do good with money, you can do bad with money. People say, well, but the Bible says that money's the root of all evil. It's not what it says. Here's what it says, 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after in other words, they got under the spirit of mammon. They've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Here, here's what I think he's saying. Loving and serving mammon is the root of all evil. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. Loving and serving mammon is the root of all evil. Now, look, look at this verse because it's, it's strange the way it reads and a lot of us don't understand it. Verse nine says, 
And I say to you, this is Jesus talking, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Okay, I have to admit to you, when I first read that as a new believer, I totally misunderstood. It's, you know, I'm thinking of unrighteous mammon as just money, not, not a God or a spirit of greed. And, and I, so it said, make friends with money. That's what I thought it meant. So I thought it meant, you know, do uh, favors for other people, and then when you're in trouble, they'll, they'll do something for you. You know, that's what I thought. That's not at all what he's saying. He's saying, take this unrighteous mammon and redeem it by giving the first to the house of God and use this, use the money that Satan uses for evil. You use it for good and you use it to build the kingdom of God and people will get saved. They will become your friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. And it says, when you fail, this word fail means die. It means when you die when you expire physically. Listen, and when you die, they, these people who've come to Christ because you gave to the kingdom, listen, will welcome you into your eternal home. <laughs> That's what he's saying. In other words, there are gonna be people in heaven that welcome me that say, I'm here because you gave. I know that a missionary came and brought the gospel to us, but I found out, because when heaven said, we're going to know things. I found out there were 47 people that supported that missionary, and you're one of the 47, and if you hadn't supported that missionary, I wouldn't be in the kingdom today. That, that's what he's talking about. See, God is the only one who can take unrighteous mammon and turn it into souls. True riches. That's what true riches are. Um, when I first got saved... Um, if you remember, Debbie and I were married before I got saved. And um, when I got saved, I wanted to witness, but I just, just, just couldn't quite do it. And, and was shy, if you can believe that. <laughs> and um, so uh, I got over it, but I, got, I was shy. And uh, so I remember when I found tracks. Now, I don't know how many of you remember tracks. How many of you remember tracks? Tracks were like little books that shared the gospel story. And I thought, see, I came out of drugs. So I thought, this is cool, because tracks used to be when the policeman said, okay, roll your sleeve up. And, <laughs> and I thought, wow, I don't know who came with the name of tracks. Must have been an ex-addict, but I, that's great. That's great. Going to share the gospel through tracks, you know. So, so anyway, so I would get these tracks, and I'd leave them on tables when we would eat. You know, I'd leave the tip inside. But nobody ever said anything. And so I remember thinking to myself, I'm, I'm just not leaving a big enough tip. And so I've talked to Debbie about it. We prayed about it. We saved up. We did not have enough to do this. We left a $50 bill in a track one time. Our meal might have been $10, you know, and a $50 tip with the track. We go back to that restaurant a few weeks later, and this uh, lady that waited on us came up. She said, I've been waiting to talk to you. I read that little book, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And she said, and I called my husband and read it to him over the phone, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I got so excited, but I remember her, her wording struck me kind of oddly. I said, what do you mean you called your husband? I mean, was he at work or was he at home? And she put her head down and she said, he's in prison. Can I tell you something? I'm gonna meet that guy one day and he's gonna say thank you for the $50 tip because I got saved because of that. By the way, a few years later, he got out of prison 
And Debbie and I had the honor of, of seeing him and his wife get baptized. <laughs> Simply because of that. See, what I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to tell you is that God can actually take our money and turn it into souls. It is amazing. You can give to the church and God can turn it into souls. It's phenomenal. So money is not evil. And here's the third thing, question, what should I do with my money? What should I do with money? What should I do with money? Uh, well, let me just give you an answer is be a good steward with what you have. Just be a good steward with what you have. Now, here's what some of you might be thinking. Uh, Pastor, I have too little of this unrighteous mammon to be concerned with this message. <laughs> if I had more, then I would probably be taking notes and listening very intently, but this just isn't, isn't really helping me, okay? Now, listen to me lovingly. If that's your way of thinking, that I have too little to be concerned with this that Jesus taught. Listen, if that's your way of thinking, you never will have any more. Uh, verse 10 says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Please hear me. If you have a little and you don't tithe, you'll never have much. What God does is we all start out with a little and he sees if he, if he can trust us. And if he can trust us, he gives us more and he gives us more and he gives us more until we get to the level where we can be a blessing to our family and be a blessing to others, whatever that amount would be. But if, 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 if you're not faithful with a little, you're never gonna have much. Uh, verse 12 says, and if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, there are a lot of applications for this, but I just wanna give you one application, possible application. Remember, we've talked for a couple of weeks now about the tithe, and I know God owns it all, but according to scripture, he's reserved the tithe. He said, it is mine. It belongs to me. I've set it apart. Don't touch it. If you take it, it's stolen. It's consecrated. It's holy. It's set apart to the Lord. Okay. If you've not been faithful in what's another man, who will give you what is your own? Is it possible that one application of this verse could be, if you're not faithful with the 10%, who will give you the 90? If you're not faithful with the tithe, which belongs to the Lord, who's gonna give you more? Please hear me. This is so important for us to understand. It's, it's like I said last weekend, God's testing us. A few weekends ago, two weeks ago, God's testing us to see what we're gonna do with the first 10%. And then look at verse 11. This is the last scripture we're gonna look at. It says, therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Okay, well, what, what are true riches? Well, I can tell you, it's real simple. True riches are people. Uh, if you looked around this room, whatever room you're sitting in, whatever campus or church you're attending, listen to me, you look around this room, you're seeing the only thing that's gonna last for eternity. Not the bodies, the souls. Souls 
They're the only things going to last. When I was in college, we had this guy, he's kind of radical, you know, and, uh, uh, and he just had this little saying, it's going to burn. <laughs> we would drive by like a really nice house, and, you know, we were in college, we'd say, look at that house. He'd say, it's going to burn. Well, he was right. I mean, it's all going to burn. Heaven and earth is going to be destroyed. I understand that. But it really is true. It's all going to burn. Except for souls. Souls last forever. Let me say it another way. Heaven is being populated and hell is being plundered by our offerings. That's why it's so important for me to give and why I see it as a spiritual act because when I give, people are getting saved. God is taking what was unrighteous mammon. I've redeemed it by giving the first to him and then as I give offerings, he's turning it into true riches. True riches are people. Um, When Ethan, my son-in-law, and Elaine, my daughter, started dating, uh, Ethan came to me and talked to me first, and I set up guidelines, you know, for him. And, uh, and because I wanted to see if he'd honor me. Here, here's the reason. If he wouldn't honor me, he wouldn't honor her. That's for some of the young men here. <laughs> and so I, we t- I brought him in, we talked. I also showed him my gun collection, by the way. Uh, but... Um, But I gave him some rules to follow and some things, you know, and then after a few months, and he did it. He did everything right. He did everything right. He did everything I told him to do. So after a few months, I gave him the, the, uh, the okay to start dating. And so one night there at seven, our young adult group, and they're standing around talking with a group of young adults afterwards, and they were talking about what it would be like to date the pastor's daughter, you know? <laughs> and it's Ethan and Lane and seven or eight other young adults, you know? And uh, it was funny because uh, one of them said to Elaine, you know, your dad is so strict on tithing. I'll bet he checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. <laughs> and Elaine, Elaine said, he does. <laughs> and when she said that, Ethan went, uh-oh. <laughs> and Elaine said, what are you saying? You, you told me you tithed. You told me you tithed. What are you, what are you, what are you saying uh-oh for? And Ethan said, well, there was one time I was one day late. <laughs> and he explained to her, you know, uh, she said, what do you mean? He said, well, I, I would always do my tithe. I'd get paid on Friday. So at work, I would go online and do my tithe because I didn't have internet at home uh, because it costs so much and he's a real good steward. And so, said I didn't have internet at home, so I would always do it at work on Friday when I got paid. But one Friday, I didn't go to work. I didn't have to work that Friday. I had to work Saturday, so I did it on Saturday. But I've always regretted that my tithe wasn't, you know, ever Friday, that it was one day late. And they got to laughing, and they said, oh, to Elaine, they said, your dad's not going to notice that. And Elaine said, yes, he will. <laughs> so they said, why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him? So she came home at night. She said, hey, Dad, uh, did you check uh, Ethan's tithing record? I said, yeah, I sure did. <laughs> she said, well, was everything okay? I said, there was one time he was one day late. <laughs> and the next time we meet, I'm going to ask him about it. By the way, too. 
Kevin, why, why wouldn't I check the tithing record of a young man that wants to date my daughter? Let me say it another way. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? If he can't even handle money, I mean, he definitely can't handle Elaine because Elaine is a handful. <laughs> He's not going to be able to handle her if he can't handle dollars and cents. But let me say it another way. She's my only daughter. She's priceless. Why would I give true riches to someone that can't handle unrighteous mammon? Can't even handle money. Well, let me say it another way. Why would the heavenly father, who has all power to bless you, why would he bless you when you don't steward what you already have? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Well, I'm about to go into the nursery and tell all the three-year-old boys about that. About my, I'm going to be looking at that for Moxie when she gets that age. <laughs> that was funny. Um, like I said, I wanted to come up and do a little bit of a Q&A here uh, based on your questions from this past week. And uh, I'm proud of you guys. You had some good questions. I loved it. Uh, so I took some time and I put them on, on, uh, on here so that I could answer them uh, to the best of my ability. Um, I'm not uh, awesome at on-the-fly questions all the time. So I, I asked you guys ahead of time. You had great questions, which reminds me, actually. I, want, I wanted to share um, one of the things I'm doing throughout this series is sharing some tithing testimonies. I made a joke about this the other day. I was last week at our business meeting. Everything was on paper, and I'm not used to it, so I'm like trying to figure out how to hold all this stuff. And so I've got this, um, I've got this tithing. Uh, I'm gonna keep this too. It's it's cool, you know. Paper's something different. <laughs> um, I've got this tithing testimony from Bill and Shelley Marlin, who've been with us for. Uh, two or three years now, and it's just a really cool, cool story, and I want to read this to you. It's written from Bill. It says, Shelly and I have been blessed in many ways since we started coming here in late 2021. The church has been so faithful in its teaching of the Word of God. Although it took a while, we started to focus more and more on the Word of God in the scriptures, on praying and tithing. A couple of places in the Bible that we are that are so powerful and convicting to us are First Chronicles four ten and Malachi three eight, which you can look up later. Ever since we prayed, believed, and put into action these truths, our lives have been in such a way that neither one of us could ever take credit for the inner joy and peace we feel. And I I, I would t- say that that's what I feel too is the peace. Um, and as we continue to go further into God's holy word, we will be able to bring him the glory and honor that he always deserves. We cannot do anything on our own. We need each other and we need God. We need to realize that God without a church is like a library without books. And uh, that's really good, Bill. <laughs> that's really good. Um, so I hope that that touches you the way it does me. And, and I shared another one a couple weeks ago that was really powerful. 
So uh, there's 10 questions here, and we've got about 13 minutes or so here, and I want to take some time to answer them. And so the first one was, how often should I tithe? And he obviously was joking around about, you know, being one day late and that kind of thing. That's not how God looks at, at us. Um, but how often should I tithe? And I, I, I believe that scripturally, it's just like clocking in for work. Uh, we tithe every paycheck. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, I tried to get really fancy and like numbers happy with my budgeting early on uh, when we were first married. And I tried to bud- like budget, okay, I'm going to tithe on this paycheck. And it just simplify it. Uh, do it on every paycheck and allow God to move uh, when you do it on the paycheck and it's so much easier it's it's easier so one of the ways that you can do uh, is set up automatic giving online if you do uh, receive some sort of a salary Uh, and and what I do to not just let it exit my account and I like to think about it and pray about it is I do get an email after every time that that comes that goes through on a Friday and I look at it and I thank God that we're able to do that and I thank God for what he's given us with the other 90% to be able to continue to live on Um, so I think of it it's not a bill but it's also a bill it's the number one priority on our budget that we create and again in the month of March we're going to start doing Financial Peace University Uh, we're not asking for anything from you we just want to give something to you and train you and so budgeting is a big part of being able to tithe and live comfortably Uh, even if you don't make a lot it helps to be able to budget and learn how to prioritize not just the 10 percent which should go out the other 90 percent so that you can do what you need to do Uh, one of the big ones that we get uh, is should I be tithing on my net income, so that's after taxes, or should I be tithing on my gross income? And so the easy answer is aim for the gross income. Uh, that is what God is providing for you, and then we love our IRS. They like to take a lot out of it, but that's, that's what they get, and so they take that amount out. I could tell you one thing, if we had to pay a check to the IRS every month, I guarantee you our taxes would be a lot lower because people would be yelling and screaming and making a big deal. But when the t- taxes are taken out uh, by our employer, it's, it's a lot easier for them and we don't complain as much. But um, we aim for the gross income. We want to give God our best, not our minimum. So we think of God, we think of giving to God our first and best, not the leftovers. And so we give him, even though the taxes come out first, we still tithe on the gross income. Um, One of the big questions we always get is, can I use my tithe or part of my tithe to give to other causes? And I think this, this comes from a good heart. People want to give to other organizations, but the it's very clear in scripture that the tithe goes to the storehouse, which is the, the body of Christ, the church. And so we give our tithe to the church and we give offerings above and beyond our tithe back to other organizations. And so kind of the way we do it around here is we give our tithe to the church and then, but we also, and you don't have to give a legacy, but our offering is legacy. So we don't give our tithe to legacy. We give our tithe to the tithe. And if, if you feel like God is speaking to you to give above and beyond, you can give 
to legacy then. And you can also, I'm not saying you have to give to legacy. You can give to other organizations, ones that you feel God is speaking to you to do. Um, and, and we would love for you to do that. And, be, and God is going to gift you guys, uh, I believe, with, a, with more so that you can do things like that. And so um, think of it this way too. Tithing is not a loan, but think of your mortgage. If you have a mortgage, if you don't have a mortgage, praise God, you're doing awesome. Um, would you take some of your uh, loan repayment money and give that to another organization? Um, pretty sure you wouldn't because you would lose your house. So we don't give away what God has told us to give to the church, to the church. And so we give it to him and back to him only. Um, do I need to tithe on my bonuses and overtime? I'll make that one quick. Yes, bonuses and overtime are income. I the way that we do it particularly, because I've just started to have a lot of fun with this and I love tithing, I love giving, um, is anything I get, I tithe on. If I get birthday money, Christmas money, I give it back. I tithe on all of it just because I have been um, shocked by how much God has done in our life, uh, even on the little bit that we have, that he is just blessed, blessed, blessed. And so I just continue, even if it's... It's not letter of the law either. I don't do it every time. You know, I forget sometimes, but um, it's not letter of the law either. Like God wants to bless you and he doesn't want you to, like that guy that uh, he he freaked out because he forgot to tithe one one day on a Friday. I'm, you know, I would want to tell him like, hey, it's okay, man. Like you're going to be okay. Uh, Don't, don't let that stuff hold you back from what God wants to do in your life. Don't let that be a hindrance with your relationship with God. Uh, if you forget, and I'll talk a little bit about that in just a few moments too, um, because some of us here are, we've struggled with this concept of tithing. And so uh, God wants to do something through you. Should I tithe on an inheritance? Um, yeah, if you receive a cash inheritance, that is that is a, a, a what I would call an increase to what you have in your home. And so, yes, I I tithe on inheritance. Um, If it's cash, tithe on it. If it's a property, uh, you know, that's not cash. So keep that until if you sell it, then yes, tithe on what you gain from the property. Um, Do I need to tithe on social security, tax refunds, or any other government benefits? Uh, It's all income. It's all income. It's all increase to us. And so uh, we, we tithe on all of it. Uh, we were foster parents for a while. And technically, the, the funds that we received from the state were uh, what they called a reimbursement. You don't have to get tic-tacky with this, but we still tithed on that because it was money coming into our home. And we wanted to give that back to God to see it be blessed uh, all the way through. And so that's how we handled that. My conviction is that if I have to spend too much time thinking through whether or not I should tithe on something, I tithe on it. And that's just the way I handle that. Um, My watch is beeping at me here. If I own a business, do I tithe on the profits? Uh, Focus on the profit. The profit. After expenses, tithe on what you earn, not the gross contract amount. So if you don't own a business and you're like, what are you talking about? Don't worry about it. If it's a large business, tithe on the amount that comes to you. Uh, That is your increase. Um, This is a big one. 
What if I want to tithe, but my spouse does not? That is a really sticky situation, but the most important thing is that communication is key. Communication is key. If you guys disagree, try to find a common ground, but respect each other's stance. Respect each other's stance and find common ground. And so if you're having a hard time finding common ground on anything in life, find a mediator to try to talk through these things. If you value something to a degree that your spouse or significant other does not agree on, you want to work through that in, in, in all things. And so it's the same thing here. Harmony in marriage is crucial. It's crucial. And so your most important relationship outside of your relationship with God is your spouse. And so you want to have unification there. This one's huge, especially those who have kids. Uh, How do I teach my kids to tithe? Um, The way that we do it, we try to keep it super simple. My son Isaiah is on the front row here. He's been doing this for years. Um, And he has grown into a heart of generosity uh, through this. And I think he had it in him. We just had to kind of teach him how to flex that muscle. Uh, So we keep it simple. We have three buckets. The younger you get, the more simplified it has to get. We're about to start boxing all this stuff. Um, We have give, save, and spend. And that's it. So we have a give bucket is the 10%. Save and spend, and you guys can determine how you, you, know, you want to do the other part. But I can look back, and we actually have this app application on our phones that we use. And Zay has his own debit card, and he can spend his money and stuff like that. And so he tithes on anything he gets. Now, whose money is that? It's ours. Like we're the one paying him, and and it's just teaching him how to get comfortable with money. So that's a whole other thing. But teaching him to have that that inside of there, so he. He does it on birthday. Most of his money comes from birthday gifts, Christmas gifts, so he has to learn how to do that with that money because that's the bulk of the money he gets. So be thinking about that with your kids because um, the younger they learn it, and it can be the smaller they are, it may not be you have to use cash because they won't understand a card. They'll be like, why are the numbers floating around in space? Um, But use your, your wisdom there to do that. And I think this is the most important part, and this isn't a question that was asked, but this is something that I believe is from the heart of God and for you. And it's, I've made mistakes and haven't tied the way God asks me to. What do I do? You, the first thing that comes to my mind is join our freedom group the next time you can because we learn how to live out of the tree of Start for more and more right now. Don't make a 
big deal about it. Allow God to work through it. And the most important part about tithing and making it a priority in your life is that we make sure that God is the center of all of the things that we do. He has to be first. And once we give Him our stresses and our worries and our finances, we have to leave it there. Because maybe that one of those first three months that you start tithing, you're going to get to the end of the month, you're like, uh, I'm negative right now. What am I going to do? And that's where we have to start learning that, that trust. But also, we're going to help you budget. So in a couple months, we'll, or next month, we'll try to help you get, get started on that too. God is more about your heart and effort than getting the math perfect. So I said all these things, and I said them very sure, and I was very confident when I was presenting it. But I want you to know that God understands your heart. And He sees where you're at. And if you take the things that I said here and internalize it as, oh, Pastor said, it's got to be this, 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 this. Please go to the end. Go to the end. Remember that your heart is the most important part of this whole equation. It's the only part that He looks at. He wants to bless your finances. He wants to bless your life. This is not a prosperity gospel message. It is a, it is a whole life message. And so, I just want to pray for you guys today. I want to pray over your families and your finances and your households that your surrendering would be where it needs to be and that you would continue to surrender more of your life to Him. Father, I thank you that you are so powerful, so great, and that you have everything under control, even when we start to think that things are out of control. And I just ask that you would come into this place and that you would reach into people's lives right now, and that they would see that you are so gracious, you are so kind, you are so gentle. That tithing is really just a response to our love back to you. And I ask that you would help us with that, God. That you would help us to see that it is just like any other area of our life that we're surrendering to you. That it's just giving back to you what is due to you, Lord. And I ask that you be with the households and the families here, Lord, that, that are desiring more of you in their life. I ask that you would give them of you, that you would help them to humble their pride, that you would humble their arrogance, Lord, and to surrender their lives to you right now, that they would find you in a deep way today. And I thank you so much that you have been so powerful and that you've worked so hard in our church, Lord, that you have done so many things, so many things, Lord, that we are incapable of, that it's all you. We give all the glory back to you today. In your name, amen.